I think about the Christian witness through money almost daily. I engage with it in my job with people who are trying to do right in the world with their fiscal resources. I think about it in my personal life often, and yet it doesn't make it any easier. As I was reflecting this year about my renewed commitment to this kindred community and my fiscal generosity to it, I sort of had this come-to-Jesus moment that I hadn't ever realized. For most of my adult life, I've had an unhealthy relationship to money. I'm going to guess I may not be alone either. I either save like a pack rat, fearful of what the future will hold, or I spend like I've never seen a dollar in my life. My spending is most tempted by shopping. Every month I exceed my own shopping budget that I've given myself, and I then make excuses for that dishonesty to myself. When I think about it, it's kind of crazy because I know what I did. My feelings dictate my choices and are not in line with the faith that I profess to have. Which is just bananas if you really think about it. But my intentions with my money are just not in line with my actual choices. I fight this desire to prioritize stuff over God with some hope that it'll make me X amount more happy because of this thing that comes in the mail or I pick up at a store. And it's not malicious. Honestly, I'm not even sure it's intentional anymore, but continually my feelings dictate my financial choices. Today's parable, and just as a side note, a parable is a story that Jesus often uses to teach a group of people something. It's not one that you would find on a stained glass window or a short children's story. To understand this parable in the context of Luke's narrative, we sort of need a mini course on economics of the Roman-occupied Galilee in the first century. Rich landlords and rulers were loan sharks, using exorbitant interest rates to amass more land and to disinherit peasants of their family land, in direct violation of biblical covenantal law. I see one of the main principles of today's parable as the relationship of the manager to both people and money. Both the manager and the landlord are prioritizing community over stuff by the end of the story, which is pretty miraculous if you think about what we just heard about the economy of the Roman-occupied Galilee in the first century. In this parable, we see someone being dishonest with money, but maybe not for the ill-advised reasons one would think at first glance. If you see this parable and are appalled by the manager's choices, I wonder if you would also think about where you sit as you hear this story. Are you frustrated because of the excess wealth? Or is it the dishonesty that troubles you? This is meant to be a reflection just for yourself, but it's worth thinking about. Because as we learned last week from Caleb Punt's great sermon, mammon, or wealth, may tempt us to see this story and focus on the dishonesty. God may help us to see this story as a resetting of a wrong system, or maybe even an upending of our understanding of whose wealth it is in the first place. The way I see it, the manager is trying to make right what an unjust system has made wrong. Maybe when he is discounting 
is actually interest accrued that would never be paid off by these peasants and their family. I was thinking about it as if someone told me that the interest rate on our new house was going to be cut in half just because, or maybe even taken away at all. Or maybe it's something to do with student loans. Those types of things may make you see this story a little bit different. The parable is one of the most confusing ones you can find in the Bible, and yet the story tells us about an alternative way to think about our resources, a truly vital part of the human experience that we're often thinking a whole lot about. Admittedly, it's pretty hard to know how Jesus wants us to judge any of the characters in this story, including the manager. The rich man, along with his manager, are, were both exploiting desperate peasants for a really long time because that was kind of the system they were swimming in. But yet the manager does something with the rich man's wealth that reverses the existing order of things. His timing may be off, but it's God's timing and it's still transformation, even if it doesn't make exact sense to us. In the change from consumption to stewardship, we begin to see transformation. You can sort of think about it, about adding faith to our intention and God to our choices when we think about using our resources. The story also seems to go against all of our common understanding of fairness. But really, when you think about the kingdom of God, it actually has little to do with fairness. Because what it's telling us is that money really isn't our own to begin with. Sure, the money definitely wasn't the manager's to make deals with, but it is our money and it is something that we could have a choice in. Or is it God's choices? If we live into the parable in Luke 16, it means following Jesus into questions of how we practice neighborly love and economic relationships in the midst of unjust structures and really complicated economic choices. Because it's true, we heard it today, you can't love both God and money, but maybe our stewardship of money could show that we love God and God's people. So how do we overcome, or at least begin to retrain our minds <clears throat> away from only prioritizing money? I would say for me, it has been to be a better steward. Again, stewardship means adding faith to our intentions so that our choices are more directed by God. For all of us, generosity grows when we find the relatedness in the thing or community we are aiming to be generous towards. The manager and the landlord in this story were more generous when they thought about the people and less about the loss in their bookkeeping. The manager is aligning his choices with what he believes Jesus is asking of him. And one could say, well, shouldn't he have done that in the first place? Well, yes, but we can always start anew today. It's the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ. When these things are in line, how we live and how we give, it gives us joy as it also calls us forth a kind of reflection on what it means to be a Christian in the secular world. Again, we can't love both God and money, 
but I really believe we can enact God's vision on this earth using resources God has given for us to steward. When we truly believe our resources, financial or otherwise, are not ours but God's, it makes us see this story differently. When we see ourselves as stewards, we know the root ownership of our finances and may make choices accordingly. We listen to God more intently, and our feelings to our money are informed by our faith, so our intentions and our choices begin to change. This is stewardship. We need not only do things with resources that are afforded to us, but to listen for this direction from God. For many of us, that could take a lifetime, but I hope that as you're listening to this today, in this moment, you know that you're not doing this work of reflection alone. This community at Kindred will help you and remind you again and again that the work of God is always going to bear more fruit here and eternally than any wealth we can root within our earthly riches. Last week, Caleb preached for us and said something that has really struck me all week. God is not trying to get something from us, but to give us something. I think as we leave this time together, God is trying to give us the gift of stewardship. The gift of being able to bless others is a response to what love we feel from God. I know generosity campaigns can be painfully awkward for a lot of different reasons, but I also think there are seasons of the life of the church for open conversation and possible reminders to ourselves of our need to incorporate God into our resources, just as we would incorporate God into our prayers. It's a humbling challenge to take a look at just how much I serve wealth over God, but it's never too late to tune ourselves more closely to God and change things. It is a challenge to look at how I spend money, how I save money, and how I treat others with my financial choices. It's really quite strange, and I get that, but just as the book of Luke is about upheavals and role reversals, maybe that's how God intended our use of money to be, too, to steward resources in a way that bring interruption to the rhythms of consumption and break cycles of excess wealth with excess love and justice for all. Amen.